ladies and gentlemen, we're finally here. After many discussions and deliberations, welcome to the first episode of Feel the Heat Sports Talk. We're about to get uncomfortable with our takes on what's happening in sports. I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Kyle Webb. Hey, how's everybody doing? It's Kyle. We're here with my, I'm here with my cousin, Sade, and we're doing a sports podcast for people who are not in the mainstream about sports or for people who just like to argue sports. Me and my cousin, all of my family, we argue sports and stats from many point of views. So we wanted to put it on a podcast and bring it to y'all. Exactly. We wanted to give you guys a little bit of what we do when we're watching sports or discussing sports and a little bit of a background for both Kyle and I. We grew up in a very athletic family, had plenty of athletes in our family, in our community where we grew up. Um, Kyle played football in, in high school and I played basketball. So we have some experience there. Um, and we just like to get into it and make each other mad. You know, so you know how it gets. Sometimes you get on each other's nerves when you're talking about sports. And when you know somebody wants to be right about Tom Brady or for instance, LeBron James or whoever you might have, you dig at them with, you know, the stupidest facts that you could find. It would piss them off. But, you know, see, the thing about us at Feel the Heat here is that our opinions actually are backed up by numbers. So everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs it up with facts. And but here, that's what we're going to do. Story. But stats don't tell the whole story all the time. That is true. That's, that's true. That's a fact. So... Feel free to send us questions or topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm slash fill the heat forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash fill the heat forward slash message. So we're going to cover a variety of sports from the NCAA to the NFL to the NBA. And we're going to give you our takes. They're very unpopular. You may not like them. But that's why we're here. We're here to piss each other off and piss off our listeners. So here we go. Let's go ahead and get into it. Um, the NCAA football week one. We have Miami versus Florida. Kyle, why don't you take us into that? I ain't going to lie, Day. I already know you're taking Miami. And I'm just here to tell you I'm taking Florida. <laughs> specifically because of Felipe Franks. And don't get me wrong, Felipe Franks, he's no five-star quarterback, but he's no scrub either. Last season, he threw for 2,400 yards for 24 touchdowns and only had six interceptions. I mean, you look at the offensive line for Florida, it's, it's inexperienced. Left tackle, Stone Forsyth Jr., redshirt junior. Brett Heggie, redshirt junior. Nick Buchanan, redshirt senior. So, I mean, you got two seniors. You got a redshirt freshman. So, not much experience. And I know I can trust Felipe Franks. He's good with his legs. He's good throwing on the run. That's who I'm, that's who I'm putting my faith in. And I think it's going to be a shootout both ways because both offensive lines are weak. They're inexperienced. I agree with you. I think it will be a shootout as well. But I think, like you said, you know me. You know that I'm a Canes person. 
and I'm very biased when it comes to the Canes, but I will back up my pick with uh, some numbers. And I think that the Florida Gators are in a little bit of trouble as they have lost eight transfers on their defense um, this, this year alone. And one of their best corners who was going to be a freshman, a true freshman, Chris Steele, transferred to USC for personal matters as he addressed the coach with concerns he had with his roommate. And the coaches never addressed those problems, and he didn't want to be in the center of that as he has a promising future. Um, so let's get into it. Yeah, August 24th, Miami versus Florida. I'm taking Miami in the shootout. I think the Miami Hurricanes will win by seven points. I'm thinking uh, something similar to like 28 to 21. And, you know, Miami, they, they're they not the best offensive team out there. They've had their offensive struggles the last They haven't had a consistent quarterback. Malik Rogier, he was good, but he just wasn't good enough. He, he didn't get the job done. He didn't play well under pressure. And that was one of their downfalls, as Miami has had the fourth best defense last season, giving up 4.3 yards per game and 278 yards per play or per total per game. So Florida, on the other hand, they have given up five yards per play and 343 yards of total offense. And I believe their defense was exposed and continues to be exposed whenever they play Georgia, as Georgia has put up 42 points on them in 2017 and 36 points on them in 2018. So Florida has a lot of work to do, I think, with the addition of K.J. Osborne, who used to play at Buffalo. He's now with the Miami Hurricanes. He was phenomenal. He has a phenomenal career with, Buff- with Buffalo, dominating in the MAC, and he's expected to carry that same swagger and dominance with him at Miami. And also, you have to think about Jaron Williams. He is going to be the legs and the honor behind the Miami Hurricanes offense. Really? And I'm surprised that he did not win or he he won the uh, quarterback battle between he and Martell. I was expecting Martell to win. I, I thought that overall Martell may come in as the better athlete. What are your thoughts on that? I really thought Tate Martell was the better athlete. And uh, like I said, for a team with such an inexperienced offensive line and you know, the protection's kind of shaky. Uh, I'd rather see Tate Martell in there. However, uh, he does he does have the better arm. I will I will agree with that. Yeah. And also, he can get it done with his legs. Like you said, if your offensive line doesn't hold up well enough, you have to have the ability to escape and get out. Now, Tate Martell is not slow. And he does have scrambling ability, but Jaron Williams is the better scrambler. He's a better improviser um, when it comes to that aspect of the game for the Miami Hurricanes. Hmm. So we're going to move forward now. Um, now, Kyle, which four teams is your choice to make the college football playoffs? Early season prediction. Okay. Top four teams, I'm taking Clemson. Because obviously they have Trevor Lawrence, debatably the best quarterback in college football right now. Uh, I'm taking Georgia. Alabama, obviously. And I'll stick Oklahoma in there. Stick Oklahoma in there. 
Uh, wow, I'm I'm very um, surprised at your list that you put Georgia in there. I think Georgia is is a great team, but I, I didn't have them there, and I would like to know your reasoning why. Why did you pick Georgia? Why did I pick Georgia? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Georgia lost Trevor Stedham, didn't they? They also lost Justin Fields, which he just lost the quarterback battle at at Ohio State. Um, I believe he transferred to Ohio State, which made Martell transfer to Miami. But um, I'm not knocking Georgia. You know, I just I didn't see that one, and I think that could be a good pick because they have proven that they've been a really good team the last couple of seasons they play in one of the t- tougher conferences as well um but we shall see that's what it is about sports that's what we love about sports is you know it's all about your opinion is nothing is guaranteed in sports so the four teams that I picked like you I picked Clemson um and Alabama as they just have some of the best recruiting year after year they are consistently building and looking to improve their programs for the future and I uh, picked Oklahoma because they have had the last two Heisman winners in um, their their last two college seasons. And now they have Jalen Hurts there, who was officially announced the, the starting quarterback one or two days ago for them, which we all knew. We, I mean, we, they didn't have to wait to announce it. We knew that they brought him there to start. It wasn't nobody was going to beat him. He's been there, done that. Um, and surprisingly, you may or may not agree with this, but hear me out. I also picked Michigan. I think this is a year that Michigan Wolverines uh, will make it to the Final Four. Just hear me out. If Tariq Black stay they healthy. Have, if Tariq Black can stay healthy. Listen, they have not been able to get over that hump when Urban Myers was at Ohio was at Ohio State as the head coach. Now, without Urban Meyer there. I believe Michigan can beat Ohio State. They could not cross that bridge before, but now I feel like Michigan will dominate the Big Ten. They will beat Ohio State. I can see them easily winning 10, 11 games this season. Will that be enough, though? Will that be enough to get them into the college football playoffs? And I think that it will, because I also expect for Michigan State to be really good this year. I expect for Minnesota to have a better year than they've had um, with P.J. Fleck being there. So, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% on it. That's my guess. You have um, Michigan, who's had the number one defense last year. I expect to see more from Michigan. Even though they lost some key pieces on their defensive line and their linebackers, Michigan is always building, and that's what makes them a really good football program. And they have almost every starter returning to their offense with the likes of Nico Collins and DPJ. And DPJ is going to be a problem for a lot of defenses. If anybody doesn't know who DPJ is, that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. What has he done? I had the pleasure of watching him. What has he done? What has he done so far? Let's see what he does this year. How about that? What did he have last, How about what that? Did he have last year? One, two touchdowns? What does that matter? How many yards does he have? How, how did he affect them with the punt returns, kick returns? Can Shea, He's an athlete. Do you think Shea Patterson can stay consistent or will Michigan just have another quarterback problem? 
you know what? That's been another problem for Michigan as well as there is having a consistent quarterback. But I think Shea Patterson, he has no choice but to be better. And if not, then Michigan has to get a better quarterback in there because this is their opportunity right now to go ahead and say, hey, we're here. We're the big dogs now. Ohio State's not here. We're here to dominate. And not only that, we're here to compete for a national championship. But they only could do that if they if they play well, if they, like you said, have a consistent quarterback. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones will have a breakout year. Either way, he affects the way their offense flows just because he's a big target. He has great hands and speed. He gets open in the, in the open field and has great cuts. So he's a great route runner as well. So um, that was just my surprise. I mean, you surprised me with, with Michigan and or with Georgia, excuse me, and I think Michigan, this is the year they get it done. And you know I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm a Michigan State fan. Yeah, I, but just Michigan especially, I mean, with them losing Devin Bush and Rashawn Gary, among others, I just, I'm just trying to see how they can beat Michigan. I'm just trying to see how they can beat Ohio State this year. I just, I'm not seeing it. Okay. Well, I mean, we, sh- we shall see. Yeah. Um, I think the coaching text means a lot, though. You have to think about coaching changes. They mean a lot in college football. Guys transfer out. I, I believe the Ohio State has lost a couple of transfers. I think two of transfers have went to Cincinnati. So when you look at factors like that, a new coach, a new system, sometimes it takes time to get used to it. But you got to trust and believe that Urban Myers, um, he's built a program there where people want to come and play football. First of all, people already want to come and play there because it's Ohio State. It's in the Big Ten. You know, they always compete. They have history. But with the and coaching change, sometimes it changes. Go ahead. He's still going to have a hand in recruiting. He's the, Ur- you you may be right. Urban Meyer's still going to have a voice at Ohio State. Just not officially. You, right. you may be right. But like I said, only time will tell. I mean, we'll see at the end of the year where these teams land and we can revisit this conversation as the season goes on. I'm just really excited that you know football's back. Uh, we got the NFL preseason this this here, and some people get excited about NFL preseason. Some aren't because you know the starters play maybe one quarter, two quarters, which is reasonable. This is a chance for rookies and veterans to show why they need or uh, why they deserve a roster spot. So moving forward, we're going to talk some about the NFL preseason. Um, week two, let's do a recap of week week two. I picked the Cowboys um, versus the Rams as my highlight game for last week for the simple fact that Zeke has not come to a deal with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. And then you look at week one for the Cowboys and their running backs had only 55 yards combined rushing. And I'm thinking they're making a case and they're making it easier for Zeke to get paid now because if you're not going to be consistent running the ball, that means you're going to have to have a passing game and the defense can lock down on that. So I'm thinking at least one back for the Cowboys has to show up. And if they do not show up, then Jerry Jones, you need to get on your phone, call your lawyer, and make a deal that Zeke cannot refuse. By the way, terrible joke, Jerry, Jerry Jones. Terrible joke over the weekend. As a reporter was asking you questions about Zeke, you responded, Zeke who? Yes, it was a joke. 
you laughed about it. You went on to talk about how you think Zeke and Tony Pollard can coexist, but terrible joke at this time as Zeke is trying to get a deal done. You're trying to negotiate with him, and you don't really have a consistent running back. Now, I'll say that, but he was very impressive over the weekend. I believe he had a 55 yards rushing and one catch for 10 yards and a touchdown. So I think he will compliment Zeke well. And again, going into week three, I'm uh, looking forward to the Cowboys again. I just want to see how this plays out for Zeke as the Texans will have a, a guest. They will see the Cowboys this year, uh, this week. And I think that Pollard will continue to show us what he can do on the ground game. Going back to your Going back to your uh, Dak Prescott point, you know it. Every Cowboys fan knows it, and I know it. Dak Prescott has to get paid. Absolutely, but is he worth $40 million? No, he, no, you- no, I don't believe so. I don't think he should get paid for what he might do and what Dak Prescott could be, because Dak Prescott is... He ha- he shows potential. He has he has potential. However, I just I don't for what see, I, I don't see how you don't pay Z. He's been in the league three years, and he led the league in rushing for two of them. Absolutely, and you have to think of the year he was suspended. He he missed eight games. He played eight games and, and damn near rushed for a thousand yards. I mean, you have to pay Zeke. You also have to pay Dak. They go together, number one. You can't pay one and not pay the other because if you do, you're going to lose one. So you have to pay both of them. I just don't think that Dak is worth $40 million a year, but at the same time, I'm not judging his pockets. I'm just saying, if I was Jay Jones, I wouldn't pay him for $40 million. You're paying Dak for what he has done, what you expect him to accomplish, and at the end of the day, Every organization wants to win a Super Bowl, and you have to keep this nucleus here together to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys. You you have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line, year after year. That was built for Zeke. That was built for Zeke. So I do think that you are right. Um, the Cowboys have to make it a priority to really pay Zeke first to make sure that Zeke is on that field because right now Dak is not the one saying if you don't have a deal done by week one I'm not playing it's Zeke and you don't want history to repeat itself I think Jerry Jones has experienced this already Um, 1993 with Emmitt Smith he demanded a contract extension this man was the leading rusher breaking records leading the team and he said, "Look, man, I need a, I need a pay, I need a pay raise. Basically, I'm doing all of this, and I expect a pay raise." And Jerry Jones called his bluff, and by week three, Jerry Jones paid Emmitt Smith. I don't think that Jerry Jones really wants to go ahead and have history repeat itself because this is not a league right now where you can afford to potentially start off 0 2, and then have to push to make a playoff run. And it doesn't always work in the Cowboys' favor when that happens. I just I don't think they're gonna pay. I don't think they're gonna pay Zeke. I think they're gonna pay Dak because they're gonna also have to pay Amari Cooper. 
So, I mean, they're, they're definitely in a tough uh, situation right now. But they knew Jerry Jones knew he was going to be in this situation three years ago. He Absolutely, knew. he knew. when he drafted them, he knew he knew this day was coming, and he he made no room for Zeke on the payroll. Well, from the reports I've have I have read the articles I have read, um, Jay Jones has made Zeke a deal, and Zeke is now negotiating with the team. But Zeke wants to be the highest paid running back, if not one of the highest paid running backs. Um, so I think he deserves it. I think he. I think Jerry Jones will get this deal done before Week One. I can't really see in it going past two weeks especially if the Cowboys um, are not productive on the offensive side. Listen, if he wants to be the highest paid running back, if not one of the highest paid, at that point, how long? Like, how many years? Because it can't be more than three. It's not worth it after that. After that, you might as well just start signing them to one- and two-year deals. So you're saying in about three years and three seasons, Zeke is going to lose some of his value. Three, four seasons, he's going to lose some of his value. Shoot. If you're averaging three, if you're averaging three, four yards a carry, that wear and tear on your body, you can't do that for that long. He's not worth, he's not worth 30, 40 million after four years. He's not worth forty million after four years from now. I mean, I think you have a point, and I think that's why we seen Le'Veon Bell last year sit out the whole season because either you're going to pay me the money I want, or I'm not going to play because I know that you know the wear and tear of my body, the way you guys want to run me on offense, I could end up getting hurt, and I need some type of security for my future. I mean. $40 million a year. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But I think you have a valid point. And it's only... We will only see how the game plays itself out in the next couple of years to see, hey, you know what? Back then, you really did have a good a good point about him losing value after a couple of seasons. Um, but right now, he's a beast. So we ain't talking about four years from now. We're talking about right now, he needs to get paid. So... Right. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit and um, go ahead to fantasy football. Very, very, very popular topic. Um, a very popular sport right now. And it's crazy because when you think about sports, traditionally you think about basketball, football, hockey, baseball, soccer, those type of things. And now you have video games, NFL fantasy. These are sports now. And it's things that you wouldn't even really think that you could make a future career and make income doing those things. So NFL fantasy is one of my favorite times of the year. Everybody gets the trash talking. You know how our group chat went when we announced the draft for our home draft league, which includes pretty much all of our family. Well, a good chunk of our family and as well as a couple of our friends. So let's jump right into it, Kyle. Who is your number one draft choice? If you have to pick if you got the number one pick, who is your number one draft choice? My number one pick 
Uh, honestly, I'm gonna have to go with DeAndre Hopkins. I'm gonna have to go with DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm gonna have to go with DeAndre Hopkins because obviously Deshaun Watson's coming back this year. We had high, high hopes for him last season. He started off hot, hot. Deshaun Watson started off hot, then he tore his ACL, and. That season, Deshaun Watson had 115 catches, 1,500 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He was averaging 13 yards per catch. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, obviously, you could say that um, Antonio Brown could have a better could have a better career over at uh, Oakland, but I just don't. Think- even- season. What? You may not even see Antonio Brown play this season. I think we'll see him play. I think he's just doing this to be petty. We shall see. I mean, I hope so. Um, I I think that absolutely Deshaun Watson, depending on how you want to pick, how you strategize, is a great first pick. I won't disagree with that, but I would pick Saquon Barkley. Number one, he's with a monster on the ground. And it doesn't matter if he's in the PPR league or standard league. He is the most reliable back in the NFL right now. And he's only going to get better. His first year last year, he had 2,028 yards from scrimmage. And 1,300 of those yards were rushing. He's just a natural athlete. He's naturally naturally athletic. And he's a student of the game. He puts in the work to get better. And I know every defense is trying to strategize and making strategic moves, game plans for Saquon. And I believe that Saquon is putting together game plans to beat your defense, starting with week one. So you you have to be ready for Saquon. I think that both the, um, your pick and Saquon Barkley are very safe picks. If you have the number one pick, I wouldn't be mad with either or those picks. I would be more mad if I had number two and I wanted Saquon and you picked him. You understand? Yeah. And let's talk about fantasy busts and sleepers. Um, who do you have as a fantasy bust and who do you have as a fantasy sleeper this year? My fantasy bust is probably going to be Probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers? Wow. Really? You think so? It's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. And I only think that with the instability, with the coaching, and just just the sharp exit of their last coach, Mike McCarthy. And uh, I just think Aaron Rodgers is having trouble. But Devontae Adams is definitely going to lighten the load and make things way easier for him. But I just, I'm curious to see what Aaron Rodgers does this year because he definitely struggled on the tail end of last season with Green Bay missing the playoffs. It it was tough. It was tough to see. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to, that's just my opinion. I don't think he's going to do I don't think he's going to meet expectation. I'll just say that. I don't think he's going to meet expectation. 
What about your sleeper? Who do you have? My sleeper? Yes. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So I'm going to let you think well, on that. While I, while I, while I, go ahead. I, I got you. I got you. My sleeper, Julio Jones. It's definitely Julio Jones. You think he's a sleeper? I, I think, think people are drafting him early in the draft. I don't think that he's a sleeper. I think that he'll get picked up early in the draft, but I think he's going to explode this year. Considering last year, he, what did he start off? He started off with 700 receiving yards without a without a receiving touchdown. That's correct. And also, I think I think Atlanta's right there to get back to the Super Bowl, and they just need that little push. And I think Julio Jones is really going to mark his name in getting Atlanta into the playoffs again this year and hopefully to the Super Bowl. So I think I think Julio Jones is definitely underrated this year. Like I feel I feel like people aren't giving him the credit. You think they're undervaluing him? I think they're undervaluing. I think wow. they're under for how good he really is. I understand what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I really didn't see that one coming. And um, you have some good points, good takes there as far as fantasy. Now, we're talking fantasy football, guys. We're not talking about in the real-life NFL. We know he had a really good season last year. But we're talking about fantasy football-wise. So yeah, don't I mean, don't everybody jump on here and start telling Kyle you're crazy for having that take. I mean, he has a, val- a valid take for anybody who had drafted Julio Jones last year. Um, really may not have seen him put up the points that they were expecting. And you may expect to, he, he may put up just those points this year. I mean, 700 receiving yards with no receiving touchdowns is not a lot over an entire fantasy season. Right. Absolutely. Depends. It depends on how your scoring is set up for yeah. that. Yeah. So let me tell you my sleeper. I have been, Ro- or sorry, my bust is Ben Roethlisberger. And I picked him to be a bust for fantasy football because you have to look at his roster. I mean, he has Juju Smith and James Washington. But you have to look at the fact that A.B. is now a Raider. And last year, A.B. had a league high of 15 touchdowns and was a large part of the offense's production. The roster adjustments hint at what's to come for Ben. And for Ben, it's a decline. I mean... Juju is not AB. He's a great athlete. He might do some phenomenal things this season. He was great last year, but he's not AB. And you can expect for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to be on decline. And Ben Roethlisberger is just on a decline himself. He's getting old. He doesn't move the same way he does. He's still a great thrower, but he's only a couple hits away from being the next Peyton Manning, flinching every time a defensive uh, end or a linebacker comes up the middle if you remember that and it's no he he doesn't have two receiving threats like two great receiving threats starting anymore I mean you have Juju you have James Washington Dante Moncrief which by the way only had one season where he had 50 receptions and James Washington proven he hasn't proven himself in the pros so that's is my and my sleeper and it's not biased I am not a Miami Dolphins fan but my sleeper is Preston Williams um, watched him in week one 
and he's big. He's he's fast. He's got hands, and some will say he's on the Dolphins. And um, but the Dolphins do have valuable receivers, and there have been other valuable receivers who play with terrible quarterbacks, uh, and, and they were able to produce at their position. The Dolphins aren't really talented at receiver position. So Williams has a chance to prove to be the number one guy. He has a chance to prove to be the wide receiver one for the Miami Dolphins. And so last season, he played with Colorado State. He put up 96 receptions for 1,345 yards and 14 touchdowns. And I believe week one, he had something like five catches for 100 yards. He had a one-hand catch. Um, He had a diving comeback route. He he had a... a moss in the end zone, so he's definitely shown his upside, and he's my—he would be my sleeper. He would be someone that, if he was there, I would take between the twelfth and the fifteenth round. Sure, Yes, sir. The Dolphins aren't gonna make the playoffs. The Dolphins aren't gonna make the playoffs. They don't need to make the playoffs for fantasy, not for him to be productive. I mean, if you—if you're having your receiver, if you have four receivers and two of your receivers have a bye week, he can slip in there, or he can play your flex position. I mean, we'll see how he brings out value for the Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins don't... I don't really think that they have a really great quarterback, but they don't have a terrible quarterback either. As you remember... Ryan Fitzpatrick... Ryan Fitzpatrick will show up for a a couple games and do pretty well, and then just kill you. And then kill you. And then you have what Josh Josh Rosen as his backup, so they don't have the greatest, but they don't have the greatest quarterbacks. But at the same time, it's just fantasy football. You only need you know a couple of catches, especially in PPR leagues. You're getting a point for every catch that the the person makes. So it's really it's really up to you. I'm it's just, really Ryan Fitzpatrick's got to complete the catches. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He's got to throw the ball. I mean, he did well when he was with Tampa without Jameis Winston being a starter. He led Tampa for a while, but like you said, after a while, you know. He'll kill you. He'll he break, will kill you. He'll, he'll get you right there, and then he'll just break your heart. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think somebody even drafted him last year in our league, but I'm not sure who did. So we're going to go ahead and move forward because we're going to get ready to wrap up here soon. But before we wrap up, we're going to jump into the NBA with breaking news. Last week, you heard it, that Boogie Cousins, he tore his ACL. And it's just devastating news for him as he has had multiple injuries that has kept him sidelined the last two seasons. In 2018, he tore his Achilles. In 2019, he had quad injuries, which he set out 14 playoff games for Golden State. And... Before the season starts, with his new fresh start with the L.A. Lakers and their revamped roster, he tears his ACL. I mean, damn, Boogie, you're fragile. What's going on, bro? Got to pray for his overall health. Um, But the question is, Kyle, is his career over? Should he retire? No, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins should retire. I think he should just wait it out, come back. I think... He's still signable for a veteran's minimum. He's still signable. Um, but I just, I don't think he'll be the same DeMarcus Cousins anymore. But no, I don't think he should just outright retire. 
I think Boogie trying to get a job. So an ACL injury will keep you out somewhere between, just depending on the person, somewhere between six and ten months. So you could pretty much say he's pretty much done for the season. Yeah. And plus he's going to have to rehab. Now you're going to ask 30 teams to take a risk on you. And you've been basically injured the last three seasons. I mean, you missed half the season with Sacramento when you tore your Achilles. He was in and out the lineup for the Warriors once you did come back. But when he came back, he showed that he had still some game in him. He averaged, I think, like 16, 17 points a game. Yeah, it was 16, was 16, 8, and 3 with one block and one steal. Exactly. So he still has some game. I don't think that he should think about retirement. I mean, you see what happened to Derrick Rose um, years later. I mean, he's not the same Derrick Rose we've seen win the MVP in 2011, but he's still good enough to get a, a veteran's minimum and get a job somewhere. I, th- I think that when you're a big man, though, and you have those type of injuries, that teams kind of shy away from signing you. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Somewhat. And then I got this question. I just seen this yesterday. The Lakers are working out Dwight Howard and Joaquin Noah as a, a center position for their team. Why the hell are the Lakers working out Dwight Howard? I mean, the Lakers are going to be a run-and-gun type of offense. And that may have been Dwight in 2009 with Orlando when they went to the finals. And somewhat his career when he was with the Rockets and James Harden. But the Lakers should move on from Dwight Howard. He's not a good fit for the Lakers and the way they're going to play. I mean, damn, if you want a run-and-gun guy that's going to catch oops, you already got JaVale McGee. He's probably going to start. He more than likely will start. He will have to start. Um, because if you bring in Dwight Howard or Joaquin Noah, they're coming in off the bench. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a Florida Gators basketball girl. I love Joaquin. I love Joaquin Noah. Loved him with Chicago. I think he has toughness. I think he had a good, solid game for a center in Chicago. But he's really been quiet and absent ever since he left Chicago and went to New York. And he went to Memphis. And it's just like, what do we expect from Joakim Noah to add to the Lakers? I'm not sure. Okay, listen. Anthony Davis already said it. He doesn't want to play the five. Dwight Howard, I, I mean, obviously, yes, you're right. Dwight Howard is not what he used to be. But Dwight Howard is, he's still usable. I mean, his 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 stats say 12 and 9. That's still, that's still reliable. 12 and 9, that's reliable. And it keeps... Yeah, us- but how, how many games did he play in that 12 and 9? Wasn't he hurt like half a season last year with the Wizards? Yeah. So, I mean, is that over what, 24 games, 30 games? 12 and 9 is, is good. It's good. Um, I'm not knocking Dwight Howard. I just feel like, as a Lakers fan, you know me, diehard Lakers fan, I don't want to see Dwight Howard back with the Lakers. I mean, he didn't do nothing when he was there with, with Kobe. But maybe his uh, attitude and his his love for the game has changed since then. I don't know. I'm not excited about Dwight Howard. I just don't think he's a good fit. I think he would be a better fit somewhere else where he could play a little bit of the post-up game and rebound more. I don't think that with the Lakers, he's going to be able to have the post-up game in the paint. This is not 
a game right now where centers dominate in the paint. Centers stretch the floor. They shoot in space. And they're running gun. Like I said, Dwight Howard was uh, very good at running the floor early in his career with the Orlando Magic, even with the Rockets. But I just haven't seen that same side of him when he was with Washington. Yeah. I say whatever you can do to keep your centerpieces happy. I mean, LeBron and AD are going to be the ones that carry you to however far they get, right? Right. Right. I agree. And also, this is another topic we can talk about since we're on Lakers and Clippers. Opening night for the NBA is October 22nd. A very uh, special night for me. And that's my birthday. And I will be in L.A. for the Lakers versus the Clippers um, for that game. That's the highlight game for opening night. And what do you think is going to happen that game? I mean, do you think the Lakers are going to beat the Warriors or the Clippers? Excuse me. Or the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers? I think the Lakers are going to beat the Clippers. I think the... I think that... The Clippers need to face reality. I mean, yes, they signed two all-world two-way wings. Two of the best two-way wings in the game. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they both can get it done from pretty much anywhere. However, LeBron James been in the best to ever I'm do. I'm going to talk to him now, Webb. Go on and give him a fact. Go ahead and talk to him. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, last season was was what? LeBron was looked at as what? It was a bad season for him, right? They missed the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, he averaged like 27 or 28 points a game. That's a bad season. 27, 8, and 8. If that's a bad season... I'll take said, it. And he says next season he's going to show out. I'm, I'm going to put all my money on LeBron James. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that people forget that LeBron James is the baddest man to play basketball. Don't get me wrong. I've, I haven't always been a LeBron fan. And he started growing on me late in his career when he went back to Cleveland. But that's a bad man. I mean, to have a bad season, the the, the experts say he had a bad season Can't and he averaged 27 points a game. 27, what was it again, Kyle? 27, 8, and 8. 27, 8, and 8. And you think that him teaming up, he now has AD. He also has Danny Green that can shoot the ball in space. Uh, he has Kyle Kuzma, who obviously LeBron trusts more than Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and, and Brandon Ingram. Because Kyle Kuzma's still in L.A. while they're in New Orleans. So LeBron knows that that brother can ball. So he has one of the better rosters that he's he's ever played with. I mean, he had a great roster with the Heat. But this last stretch he had with the Cavs was not a really good roster. I mean, he had Kyrie and he had Kevin Love. But other than that, I mean, Kevin Love was not always consistent for the Cavaliers during LeBron's well, tour with them. You can't You can't blame that completely on Kevin Love because Kevin Love really... Coming out of Minnesota, Kevin Love really had to change his game just to play with LeBron. Obviously, I understand, I understand that. I'm, what I'm doing is, I'm saying that people are forgetting how bad of this man is. I mean, he went to, what, eight straight finals in the Easter Conference? Yeah. Took him, to, You know, it, that's just unheard of. And so, I'm thinking, like you said, the Clippers have two great, two of the best wings to play in the game. 
but the Lakers may have gotten a better overall team than the Clippers. I mean, who who's gonna stop LeBron? And if you tell me Kawhi, I would say I would tell you he's a great defender. But let's not act like LeBron hasn't, like you said, averaged twenty-seven, eight and eight. Um, tw- actually, he averaged twenty-seven, seven and seven when he played against Kawhi. Anytime he's matched up Kawhi, his lifetime stats versus Kawhi is twenty-seven, seven and seven. I mean, and who's going to stop at, AD? AD's at 25-12-3. So who's going to stop AD? What do you, what, are you, what are you depending on? Uh, Zubiak or, or Harrell to stop AD? Zubas, uh, Montrez Harrell? No. Uh, Anthony Davis is all-world. He can, he can do everything. I don't, I don't see any real weakness with Anthony Davis. Uh, at the four, I don't see any real, any real threat right now. You really don't. There's nobody on the Clippers who can really lock AD down. I mean, I mean, uh, if you're if you want to talk about the four, I mean, you can you can say Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I mean, wouldn't he play? Yeah, he's the four. He's a four. It's just it's just going to be um, exciting to see. I think with the teams and how playoff the the free agency has played out this year, that we're going to see a lot of uh, balance in the NBA. Now, I still believe that obviously the East is the weaker conference, but the West is going to be. If you can stay up and watch some West Coast games when they battle each other, then we're going to be in for a treat, especially in the West Coast. I also have this question for you. Um, these last two questions for you regarding the NBA. Who you think will be crowned the king of LA at the end of the season? And which NBA team are you most interested in watching this season? Well, obviously, you know my favorite player in the NBA is Kyrie Irving. I love me some Kyrie Irving. So, but I'm also going to be interested to see Boston because with uh, Kyrie gone. I want to see how Jason Tatum steps into a more aggressive role on offense. Uh, so I'm interested to see Boston this season. And uh, as Go for crown the king of LA, you you know the answer. It's going to be LeBron James. It's going to be LeBron Absolutely. Because he's going to come back and dominate next season. That's all I believe, I'm so too. I believe so, too. So the team I'm most interested in watching is uh, the Houston Rockets. I, I know that Russell Russell Westbrook and James Harden are, are friends, but I'm interested to see how they gel together um, on the court. And the Rockets' offense is a, an isolation offense and has been that way the past couple of seasons. Um and as many as triple doubles that Russ has, he's also an isolation player. But he does make plays, and, and that's why he averages a triple-double. And so does James Harden. But it's curious. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, who's going to be more aggressive? Who's going to be the more dominant player? I still think it's James Harden's team. Russ is like his sidekick now. But Russ can also take a, um, a break off of feeling like he has to score, rebound, and get the assist, because now, I mean, I feel like the Rockets have a solid core for Russell to play with. I think it was a, re- a very good move for Oklahoma City to go ahead and trade Russell as they know that, hey, um, 
he, Paul George is gone. Russ has no interest on being here because they knew they're not going to compete for a playoff position. Right. And uh, the advantage that Russ gives the Rockets is obviously his athletics is his IQ for the game. He's an explosive and an emotional offensive player. And he's a type of guard that every team needs. You need that aggressive guard, emotional guard. He plays with a lot of passion. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. And I'm very excited to see how they gel together, uh, if they will make a run. I don't know. Do you think that they are a contender or just a playoff team? I think they're just a playoff team because, let's face it, Russ in OKC really had a authoritative mentality over the way he wanted his teammates to act towards other teams during games and uh, interact with people and, and himself during pregame. And, but Russ has shown to want to play off the ball when he played those two years with Paul George. So I say I give Russ the benefit of the doubt and let's see He's shown he can play off the ball and still get a triple double. So I think, I think him and James Harden, I think it'll be interesting, and I'm curious to see it. I'm, anything can happen. Absolutely, I agree. Well, we hate to end this, but we got to wrap it up. And so you've been listening to Feel the Heat. We appreciate you for tuning in. And it got a little bit hot in here, but it didn't really get too hot. I think as the season, as the episodes go along. That we're we're gonna uh, get a little bit hotter in here. Um, just giving you guys a little bit of what we're going to be talking about. We promise to bring you more heat as, like I said, as the episodes go along. And feel free to send us any questions on any topics that you would like for us to cover in the future at anchor.fm forward slash fill the heat slash message. Once again, I'm your host with my co-host Webb. This is Day. You just listen to Feel the Heat. Kyle, go ahead and, and give them your last little take. All right, y'all. Like like they said, we're going to get better as the episodes go along, as the seasons progress. It's gonna, we're going to have a lot of hot takes, a lot of hot topics. So tune in with us. Let's do this thing. I'll catch you later. All right. <laughs>